0: Simple suttas a podcast on original Buddhism. Visit us at simplesutras.wordpress.com.
1: Now, the other thing that I think that we missed—a hmm. uh, big uh, opportunity to talk about—is um, fabrications themselves. And you gave me—you actually gave me a huge plant, and I completely <laughs> missed it. Uh, completely missed it. You said, uh, "Well, what? You know, couldn't fabrications be good, David?" And I think I talked about it for like thirty seconds, and then went on to something else. But no, let's let's talk about this uh, because this, once again, I talk about how all these uh, these teachings are interrelated and in these concepts. So. <clears throat> Sometimes fabrications are linked. Uh, fabrications are called intentional volition or simply intentions, right? Or com- comic volitions, right? right? Comic formations, comic formations, <laughs> right? And I thought, well, you know, I know he doesn't use this word comma here. Why is this put in? Well, so then I started looking up the teachings on comma, and uh, I don't know if you've read Tanisaro's uh, comma: A Study Guide. Hmm. It is fantastic. My goodness. Um, all these teachings on Kama, all, all right, uh, put together. And my goodness, could that man teach not, not to but the Buddha, like absolutely. <laughs> I mean, to okay too, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but oh my gosh, um, things that I have thought about and, and, you know, even in my pre-Buddhist life, uh, really kind of bugged me all this kind of, okay, but what if people don't know the consequences of their actions and all this kind of stuff? Oh, it's all in there. I mean, literally every single question that anybody can have about that is is right in there.
0: Yeah, I think people, uh, you know, the popular understanding of comma is so twisted and uh, and silly uh, mm-hmm. in, in a certain way that, that uh, it becomes like, well, why isn't there a God up there saying what's right and what's wrong? It's just that's just not what it's about. <laughs> that's not how it works. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I think you're probably getting at this idea of, of light comma, dark comma, and the comma that leads to liberation. Yeah,
1: light comma, dark comma, mixed comma, and the com- comma that leads to liberation. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, when we start looking into that, um, we have to, uh, it gives us a chance to pause and to look at what's going on. What is he teaching with Kama? And to me, a lot of the consequences of Kama that he talks about don't occur in this life. And um, he actually explicitly states that. Uh, I'm actually going to get this teaching out here for a second, uh, man. It's absolutely there are some amazing things in here that he says, and uh, throwing up the bookmarks here, it's the last one that I put in there. Um, one of the things that he talks about is some people say, uh, "Oh, what a you know is is everything due to karma?" Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, and he says, "Well, there are those contemplatives that hold that view." However, um, uh, all right, I'm not going to be able to pull it up here in enough time. It looks like uh, I don't have connection. That's but, all
0: right. but I 100% agree that, that that's not the case. That's clearly not the case that everything is due to Kama. I mean, for no. you know, it's uh, it, it defies common sense, but it also defies the absolute you know words of the Buddha, which uh, we could probably look up for later. Yeah, no,
1: I'm just going to try and pull off the top of my head what I can remember. Um, what he says is he says, well, those people that hold that view, they go beyond even what they know. He says because... Uh, are there pains felt? Is there such a thing as the disease of the winds, right? Um, and there's pain felt to that d- uh, felt due to that disease. Well, yeah. So is that due to kama or is that due to the disease of the winds? Oh, well, that's disease of the winds. Well, is there such a thing as called Qatar or whatever, right? He's talking about all these old ancient terms for uh, you know different diseases, and he goes and he says straight that the that he thinks that the diseases are just due to those specific causes. They have nothing to do with kama, right? Yeah, th- this was a big thing. Uh, uh, I don't
0: know a few years ago when there was the uh, um, uh, the. Uh what do you call it, the the, the huge storm in... Monsoon. The mm-hmm. monsoon. Uh, that, that's not the word I'm looking for, the giant uh, tsunami. Oh, the tsunami, tsunami. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it was even the Dalai Lama that said that, yes, it was due, due to those people's karma yeah. And I just blanched at that where I thought, oh, oh God, bummer. no, you know, I, I don't know what uh, what they think in Tibet, but uh, that's definitely not my understanding at all, that it yeah. was caused by a giant wave, not mm-hmm. by uh, all those people having done something uh, terrible to deserve yeah. it in any way. And, yeah. and I think it's it speaks very poorly about Buddhism, but w- worse than that, it specifically teaching against what the Buddha himself taught. And that yeah. that really worries me. That really bothers me to have someone, uh, particularly in a position of such power, s- saying things like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, he talks about things in this life having cause and conditions. Also, you know, uh, there's people that say the view, oh, uh, Kama is always experienced in this life, yeah. right? And this is a view that I held for a long time because I had like this, once again, it was like this very westernized, modernized view of what I wanted Buddhism to be. And so then... Um, The view that I kind of held was that like people that did wrong actions um, lacked the capacity to be happy in a meaningful way. Hmm. And I guess I would still somewhat, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily – I would uh, maybe put in opposition the idea of happiness – and some something else involving detachment and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, I think that the people that do wrong actions de- generally don't have that kind of uh, awakening or whatever, right? That yeah, that's yeah. That that's very few people say
0: I'm going to do something terrible that's going to hurt myself and a lot of other people. Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> And so the thing was – but I totally held that view that like, okay, is Donald Trump happy? No, Donald Trump is not happy. How do I know that he's not happy? Because he spews all this hateful language. He does all these horrible things. And so that's not the mark of somebody that's happy. Well, he just says, nope, that's stupid. Um, <laughs> he's like, so um, have you ever seen somebody arrayed in you know just like great clothes? They have the best staple foods. They have all the women they want. And then you ask somebody and you say – oh, hey, what did that guy do to get all those wonderful things, right? And he says, oh, well, he killed an enemy of the king, right? And so this is, this is his rewards. He's going to live like this for the rest of his days because he killed the king's enemy. And he says, well, you look at this other person and you see them and they're being horribly tortured and, you know, flayed alive and all this kind of stuff. And um, you say, well, what? What did that guy do? And he says, "Well, you know, he killed an enemy of the king, <laughs> or no, he killed a friend of the Friends king, of the king yeah. right? Yeah." And, uh, and he says, "And so, no, obviously, that's totally ridiculous. They both killed, um, and here they are with these completely different consequences, and that that's not comma, you know." And I'm like, "Whoa, boom! That's there's that." So yeah, you know,
0: I, I have this idea that's not completely worked out, but it's it's mm-hmm. something like we. Um, I think we grow up, we live, we exist in such an incredibly bureaucratic. Culture. We mm-hmm. don't like to think that way, but we do. Almost everything that we do has a rule associated with sure. it. And all of those rules are backed up with a uh, with a threat, explicit or implicit, of violence. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we, in a certain way, uh, uh, and, and anybody growing up in an imperial system would live with that kind of understanding. So I think in a certain way, we project an, onto heaven uh, th- that kind of... Uh, dealing with it. A that kind of transparency like mm-hmm. well these are the rules and so you did you, you committed the crime you have to do the time right. yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so um you know in, in just the same way that um, I, I've been looking at hymns uh, like Christian hymns lately really? and, okay. are, and so many of them were written in the 18th and 19th century and are explicitly basically praises to the king meaning wow. really the actual king. Yeah yeah. <laughs> and then that that is reflected on heaven. So wow. I, I think we are uh, we are reflecting our bureaucratic culture on sure. you know quote unquote heaven the cosmos, yeah, yeah. cosmos whatever. But that's not how it works. It's right. just our, you know, psychology and our, one, our kind of um, uh, apologetics for mm-hmm. the culture that
1: we live in by saying, well, this is just how nature works. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I think that that was really profound because, you know, once again, I wanted to make uh, the teaching on Kama into this uh, psychological way of what people, you know, how people experience happiness and all this kind of stuff that if you killed – you were prevented from being happy because the psychological principles involved with wishing ill will on others and, and harming others were directly in opposition to what I thought was true happiness. I think that they are still in opposition to what I would call true happiness. But once again, I wouldn't necessarily call happiness, happiness anymore. Um, <laughs> that's, I think that that's, that's where the confusion lies is that most people are going to say essentially that happiness is a form of um, almost exclusively pleasurable contacts. Um, And that that's just basically what happiness is. So is Donald Trump happy? Yes, Donald Trump's happy because he has billions of dollars. He has tons of followers. He can do whatever he wants, kind of almost with complete impunity. He has a beautiful wife. He's got beautiful kids, right? All this kind of stuff. The plane sounds nice. I like the plane. Yeah, the plane, right? (laughs) He can go anywhere he wants at any time, right? He has all these freedoms that normal people don't. And so normal people uh, are going to call that happiness, right? And I think that if we're going to use that kind of definition of happiness, uh, we kind of basically have to say that Donald Trump is happy. And um, and I think that if we're going to talk about in terms of awakening, having control over your mind and all of these kind of things, I don't think he has any of that stuff. But I think that the Buddha was talking about, two, you know, those kind of two different things. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, a, it's kind of a matter of perspective. If you're looking from the perspective of a normal person, well, you want to do good things and you want to avoid bad things. Sure. And you realize most of the time it's something in the middle and you just do your best, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking from the perspective of awakening, then what I gather is that the difference between The nicest unawakened person, uh, and the most happy unawakened person, and the most miserable unawakened person, is, from the perspective of liberation, really small. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. because it's all dependent. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Um, and so, anyways, I wanted to bring in this idea of comma into that uh, second, you know, the intentional fabrications. Okay. And and so then we can talk about then that um, sometimes. Somebody would not necessarily – if you wanted to find ignorance as anything uh, other than, you know, kind of path, fruition, all this kind of stuff, somebody could be acting actually with uh, the proper intentions, could be acting um, in a very wonderful way. Um, so you're saying, you know, uh, right speech, right action, right yep. livelihood. All those things, mm-hmm. yep. Um, you know, uh, you look into right action and one of the biggest right actions is just simply not killing, mm. right? Right. And so you can have not killing and then the consequences that could – is still going to be tied up in the in the links, in the 12 links, right? Or you could have somebody not killing um, for the sake of, of awakening. And then – so then the question becomes, right? Because this is another thing that gets into Abhidhamma, right? Um, Abhidhamma says, um, you know, a normal person has a cheetah that arises when they do an action and then it leaves a fermentation and then all this different stuff happens, right? Well, but an arahant – you know, um, the, the cheetah uh, arises and then ceases immediately once the action ceases and nothing is left from that, blah, 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 blah. Well, I think that if we tend to look at uh, Kama not exclusively as a, a rebirth thing, as a, as a rebirth mechanism, but mostly being talked about, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. for, well, like, for example, once again with uh, uh, Angulimala, when uh, Angulimala, who was a mass murderer, Um, Becomes a monk and he goes out begging and I mean people literally I mean beat him half to death they stone him They throw rocks at him, you know, um, he's bleeding. He's coming back with you know cuts and bruises every day and uh, And Buddha just says bear with it bear with it. It's it's better the better you experience it now than you experience it later Trust me, (laughs) right? So he definitely was sometimes talking about Kama in in the course of this lifetime but I think most of the time what he's talking about is Kama in, in the rebirth process, right? And so why do – you know when, when somebody becomes an Arahant, uh, why are all of their uh, uh, actions neutral? Well, because the root has been torn out. The the Tanha that leads to Bava, that was the other thing that I wanted <laughs> to look up, right? Is the second noble truth and it is. It's craving, experience. Least That's right. Because oftentimes – how often do you hear people talk about the second noble truth and they say – the root of suffering is desire. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh, it's it's the desire that leads to becoming, right? Yeah, right. It is it is not just desire out on its own. It's those two things are linked, and we look we look where else are they linked? Oh, they're linked at the end of this chain.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, uh, th- it's it's an open question to me how some of the teachings. Um, if you're just looking at, like, these individual terms, like uh, consciousness or, or whatever when are they implying, you know, right or wrong, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, does uh, comic formations imply wrong action? Does it mm-hmm. imply right action? No. Does it imply any action? Does it imply comma that's not the comma that leads to the end of comma? Right.
1: Honestly, I think it it, it includes all of those, all that's, of those. That's, even the comma yeah. that
0: leads to the end of comma.
1: Yes, because that is going to um, that is going to still kind of manifest in, until you become enlightened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that's that's going to continue. Now it's going to get more and more. Uh, Neutral, you know, I mean it's going to get closer and closer and then eventually it's going to be kind of chopped off, right? But, um, yeah, any action uh, falls falls under that until you're actually fully enlightened and then everything you do falls under the category of neutral because the, the um, uprooting of, uh, of any further becoming after that, right? And so uh, to me too, this also clears up some things that was really kind of sticky wickets for me. Um, for example, um, Mahamoglana. Maha uh, we know how he died, right? Now, um, he was he was murdered. Uh, he was stoned to death. Um, and now we get the teaching. And so I wanted to find out where this teaching was from too because it didn't seem satisfactory to me. The teaching that we get on this is the reason that he was murdered. He goes to the Buddha. The Buddha says, oh, many eons ago, um, you know, you were married and you had these uh, parents and you were taking care of your parents. But they became... Kind of a pain in the butt for you guys to take care of. Your wife was upset. So then she convinced you to go out into a carriage into the forest with your parents, pretend that you were being robbed, and then just abandon them there out in the forest. And so because this is such a heavy comma that you've produced, you need to experience it in this life because you're never going to experience it once you die. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well – Sure. And maybe, honestly, I don't know. I'm not the Buddha. Maybe that's really the way that it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe even though it's in the Jataka tales, that's that's why I want to find out where did this yeah, come from. Yeah. It comes from the Jataka tales. Jataka? Uh, Jataka? Mm. Jataka, my mistake. Uh, um, and it comes from those tales which are considered non-canonical. And maybe, like I said, maybe that is really a good teaching. That's exactly the way that it was. And it was passed down correctly. And then it just got written down much later. Um, but for me, I went, well... I mean the reason kind of seems to me that the reason that he got stoned to death is because uh, these gi- giants – how do you pronounce that? Janes? James, yeah. Janes, yeah. Janes. The Janes were coming to him the, and uh, he was renowned for his psychic powers including his ability to traverse all the heavens and hells and all this kind of stuff. And so the Janes were coming to him and they said, where's our teacher? And he's like, <clears throat> yeah, your teacher's like burning in hell for a really long time. And they were super upset by it, Right? (laughs) That's not what you (laughs) want to hear. That's not what you want to hear. And I'm not saying that he was lying. I don't think he was. I think that as as much as anybody has an ability to do that, uh, he, he did. And I think that he was telling the truth. But I think that probably the reason that he was murdered was because he gave them that piece of information. Now, can we say that that was a bad thing to do? Well, no. He was telling the truth, right? I don't know that it meets all of the the, the speech requirements necessarily. And also it uh, definitely isn't breaking with the tradition that you're not supposed to discuss any of those things. And we don't know when that rule came up. Did it come up later? Mm, Did it come right. up earlier? Right. All of those things make it a uh, fairly fishy tale to me, but yeah. who knows? <laughs> um, but but no, I really do believe that he was murdered. I believe that probably he was ma- murdered by the Janes. And I think it was probably almost a direct result of that action of telling them. Now, once again, but it, how can he? But then, you know, wouldn't that be bad comma, right? If, if he experienced he got murdered because he did that action? Right. Yeah, yeah. And this is another kind of very
0: dangerous thing is can an enlightened being do something that should uh, produce bad comma? Yeah. Right. So, so then you end up with a, with a situation where anyone that we think is enlightened that does something really wrong. Oh, right. Right. Th- so then there, there becomes these terrible apologetics from their followers. Well, Absolutely. he's so enlightened. It's crazy wisdom. It's, yeah, like you
1: said, a sticky wicket. And so the thing to me is that, OK, uh, that wasn't really it wasn't wrong action. Right, but uh, and the why why was it neutral? Whatever he says, why is that neutral? Well, he's never going to um, he's never going to commit a wrong action. Why is he never going to commit a wrong action? Because wrong action we were taught, are taught are based in three roots: greed, hatred, and delusion. Mm. Right, any wrong action is going to come from greed, hatred, and delusion. So, Mahamuddin is never going to murder anybody. Um, he's not going to use harsh speech outside of the context of teaching, which there's a specific time when he can, and it's not even considered harsh speech. Then it's considered. Um, you know, strong speech, essentially uh, negative telling somebody that they're going to hell if they're going to hell, right? Stuff like that. Um, so he's not going to commit, he's not going to be, be celibate for the rest of his life, he's not going to have any kind of problems with that, he's not going to drink, he's not going to do any of those things, right? Um, because those all come from greed, hatred, and delusion. He's not going to do any of that stuff. But still the actions that he creates are going to have consequences for him yeah. in that life. In that life, right? because that's the only life available. Because life. <laughs> that's the only life left. Yeah. And that's why it's neutral comma is because he dies and and that's that right the root's been torn out there's no further becoming at that point but there but his actions still have consequences and the particular consequence of that action of him telling the the janes where their teacher was was that he got murdered by them we we were talking earlier how sometimes it's uh, impossible
0: to avoid actions that have bad consequences sometimes you yeah. find yourself in a position where almost anything that you do is going to have bad consequences yeah. that's just the nature of uh, of samsara yeah. so that that can even be the case for an enlightened person you know th- th- this uh, this debate has gone on for you know centuries and centuries yeah. and centuries and, and including some pretty uh, you know momentous uh, times for the for the sangha these questions mm-hmm. of what how can you prove someone is enlightened or not? Right. Uh, there was one, I, I can't remember the name of it exactly, but one, one of the big debates was, could an enlightened monk have a wet dream? And, you know, <laughs> you know this, this, you know, incredible moment where the Sangha is split over this, and is it possible? And you just think, come on, really? This is what we're spending our time worrying right. about? But Exactly. Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's too, I, I think that, uh, one of the, one of the things, you know, one of the topics, of suggestion I, I talk, I, I was interested in was, was enlightenment. And, uh, and I think that uh, to me, to ask what an enlightened person is or does or anything, I think it's not quite right to do that. I think where we should put our attention is all the processes that lead up to that, that, that moment, right? Because after we've had that moment, there's nothing we can really say about it that makes any sense in thought, a lot of ways. I thought, I thought, and there are, though, there's teachings that lead I mean, basically right up to that moment. Hmm. And so then I think we have to ask ourselves – you know what? Like I said, my favorite one right now is uh, what is it? MN21, I think.
0: Um, well, I tell you what. Why don't we?
1: Uh, why don't we go to that? Oh, all right. <laughs>